an MG, I want to be a projector. Oh yeah, I don't like that. Oh, I don't like being a line three. And you just see yourself resisting every part of your chart. Take it from me in my journey when I really got this, when this landed, when I realized that the way I resisted my human design chart was just reflecting back to me how much I resisted my truth and who I really am and my authenticity, it was a game changer. Because in so many cases, if we're resisting the parts of our design, if we don't like them, like I've got a lot of I sometimes say challenging gates, you know, like the gate of crisis, the gate of struggle, like these these ones that are kind of in a lot of the traditional human design can be very negative, very heavy. You know, for me, I was just saying uh, this morning, like I love all these energies now because I, I see what the love expression is. So in many times when you come and you feel like you don't like it or you're, you don't resonate with it, you want to actually think, okay, well, I am, am I resisting this part of myself? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and I'm also a podcast strategist who helps people launch and grow their podcasts. I'm also a writer. I just recently launched my Substack, Slight Turbulence by Chelsea Reif. Go check that out. Link in the show notes. And today we are talking about human design. Now, I've talked about human design before from how to use it in business with the Dayluna founders, Dana and Shana, in episode 204. And in episode 191, I did a solo on how I run my business as a reflector. In today's episode, I switch it up as I sit down with Emma Dunwoody, the host of the number one global human design podcast. Now, reflectors, you know we're pretty underrepresented when it comes to social content. So I went hard for my reflectors as I'm a 6'2 reflector myself. And then we get into going beyond the memification of human design. To be honest, I get pretty sick of talking about the same human design stuff that we all read online. You know, projectors need naps and they can only work four to five hours a day. Reflectors are chameleons and unicorns, blah, blah, blah. I really don't do fluff and I find a lot of human design content to be pretty fluffy. But as soon as I saw Emma's content and listened to her podcast, I was like, oh no, we're going to get the real tea on human design. So stay tuned. She answers listener questions at the end. So if you left one for this episode, she does answer your specific question. And if you're curious about human design in business and finances and how you can implement it into your life beyond the regular regular HD Instagram content, then this episode is for you. Recently, I've had two people sign up to work with me, and I love to figure out how people find me and where they came from. So I found out one came from listening to me on another podcast, and the second person came from catching a webinar that I hosted for a travel company. This all proves my point that you do not need to be on social media to be successful or make money. I've been making this point on this podcast for probably the last two years and really hope that you know social media can be the sprinkles on top of your cake, not the whole cake. I personally grow my email list and my podcast by borrowing other people's audiences, meaning I gain access to an already warm group of like-minded people by guest teaching, guest speaking, or some type of guest feature like a newsletter or blog post. And I do all of that by pitching. Pitching is 100% my zone of genius and something I handle for my private clients, which has resulted in them interviewing Forbes CEOs, people featured in the Rolling Stone, mega influencers, celebrities, and more. And now I want you to have those same skills so that you can start landing those featured spots on your favorite podcast as well. So this month's review giveaway is to win my Pitch Yourself as a Guest Mastermind video training. I am literally giving you the exact templates and tips I use when pitching, and all you have to do to win this training is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. So go to Apple Podcasts, find my show, scroll down to the section where it says write a review, write that review, and then screenshot it and send it to info at chelsearipe.com. I will enter you into this month's giveaway. Okay, good luck, and I cannot wait to see which one of you wins this. Now, let's get into this week's episode. Emma Dunwoody, human design expert, master coach, behavioral specialist, and the host of the number one global human design podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you. I have a little bit of an obsession with reflectors, so I'm very excited to be here. Yay! Oh my gosh, the reflectors right now are probably rejoicing because we often get overlooked or like underrepresented on social media. So we're going to get into that today. And you are in Byron Bay, Australia, correct? Yes, I am. The most beautiful place on earth. 
The most beautiful, the most special. So OG listeners of this podcast know I quit my corporate job and I moved to Australia for a year. I got stuck there during the pandemic. And my very last month when restrictions were kind of lifting, I lived in Byron Bay and everything special in my life happened there. I launched my first course and I sold it out. I met my ex-boyfriend who I was with for a year. I got all my new one-on-one clients who paid in full. Like Byron Bay to this day is one of the most magical vortexes, I think, on the planet. And it really is. Like it's a very, very, for the indigenous people, it's a very special healing place. At our very famous surf break, The Pass, it's where three ley lines come together. It's an old volcano, so it's all about getting rid of all the things that are in the way. Like it's a very, very, very special place. But there is this thing about Byron Bay. Like she either brings you in and nurtures you and helps you heal and grow and evolve and you get to experience all the magic or she just spits you out. So, yeah, there's a lot of spits you out uh, stories as well for those not willing to look at their shadow and that sort of thing. That's so true. The first time I went, I remember actually just being like, this is full of honestly a bunch of like backpackers and pretentious hippies and people that just feel a little out of touch. And then the second time I went back, because I think I spent more time there and talked to like a different group of people, that's when the vortex really hit. And I'm like, whoa, I will never forget the magic of Byron Bay. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, as you said, like there's these two layers. And once you're willing to go deep, wow, it's an amazing experience. It really is. So we were just talking about how I'm a reflector. And for my entire life, I thought I was a 6'2 reflector. I went on your website and pulled my chart. And it said, I'm a five one. I'm curious, did I maybe make a mistake or does this happen where if you're like on the cusp of something, you could actually be like a five one or a six two. I'm not sure about that. So great question. And I suppose, especially these days that we have all these different softwares, there can be nuances because human design itself is so incredibly complicated and there's so many like mathematical equations going on in the background. So Ultimately, if you're a 6'2", in if you've used things like Genetic Matrix or you know some of the more mainstream software that's been around a long time, then I'd probably stick with it. It's very rare that we get people saying that their chart's different on ours, but because things can change minute by minute, that would also be the thing that I would check. I just go back and double check that you actually put exactly the right details in, exactly the right time in, because you know, sometimes like a lot of twins have very similar charts, but then there are others or there's there's moments in time where your entire chart or really significant things in your chart can shift and change in just a minute. So that would be my first go-to. And yeah, if you ever get any nuances, just reach out to whoever it is you got the chart from and they'll be able to help you with it for sure. So if someone is one of those people listening that doesn't know their birth time, what are maybe some I don't know what in in astrology, they called it, I think like rectification or something, chart rectification. Is that possible in human design? So that's a really good question. So you can actually go to an astrologer to get that done. That's one way you can do it. One of the ways that we do a lot in our work is that you just go through the day. And in fact, genetic matrix have actually just launched. You can do this in genetic matrix now where you can have a look at the day and how your design shifts over the day. And then for me personally, the way that we look at it at that point is we just ask really important questions that are targeted on the chart and how the the chart differs. And then you can pretty regularly work out, okay, this must be me because, you know, let's say you might go from being emotional to non-emotional. Like that's going to be something really clear that you either are or you're not, you know, especially with the profile. Like if the profile shifts, then we can ask you really targeted questions and work out pretty quickly. Okay, well, you're definitely a line one or you're definitely a line five. So that's probably the best way to do it. I know because I didn't have the birth time for both of my parents. So what we did is we just ran the charts. We worked out what was the same throughout the day. So that were the things that we could stick with. And then we worked out the differences. And for my mother, for example, she went from being a sacral generator to being an ego projector. And I was like, oh my God, my mum is an ego projector. Like I just knew instantly that that is exactly who she was. So it's actually relatively easy if you just run it throughout the day, see the differences and then kind of dial into them and you'll be able to see very quickly what feels and resonates with you versus what doesn't. I love that. Okay. So then that actually brings me to reflectors because 
We are the 1%. We are the shapeshifters. We are the samplers. Depending on who we're around, we can pick up a lot of that energy. So I feel like for a reflector, it might be actually confusing to try and track that through the day, depending on who you're around. Do you have any advice for that? Yeah. So this is, I'm going to go a little, a few steps back because one of the things that really frustrates me with human design is this telling reflectors, you're a freaking unicorn. You're so magical. You're so this. And then at the same time saying, and you have nothing consistent. So you just change. You just have to be flowing with life. That's not helpful. That's not helpful at all because not at you know, all. Do, do I know if this is resourceful behavior or unresourceful behavior? Do I know if I'm doing this from love or do I know if I'm doing it from fear? You're basically telling me that I'm just going to be like wishy-washing and flowing through life and I have no control over that. And for me, I call BS on that. I think that's absolutely 100% not true. And the thing for being a reflector, what you want to understand before anything is where do I find my consistency? Because this is really what we're talking about in human design is our design is where we're energetically consistent. So for reflectors, it's just the same question. It's a little bit different or the answer is a little bit different. And the question is, where do I find my consistency? Because when you start to understand your consistency of, let's say, your profile, like, oh, God, I can always plug into being a line six or I can always plug into being a line two. Great. That, that's not going anywhere. Then you can go a little bit deeper. You can understand your, your sun and your earth on both sides and understand those themes and go, right, well, that is consistent within me and I can understand that's how I'm expressing it through fear and that's how I'm expressing it through love. Great. So you start to dive deeper into your chart and then you can see the consistencies that are already there. Now, yes, they're not going to feel as consistent as my definition when my gates, let's say, are in a divine center, but you don't know how I feel and I don't know how you feel. So at the end of the day, these are things that are going to feel consistent to you by your definition of consistency. These are going to be themes that you're like, yeah, that's obvious. I mean, I know for an example in my world is my reflector coach. There is no way that she is not a line one. Like there is absolutely no way ever that she is not a line one because every single time she shows up, she shows up as the authority with the details, with the knowledge, it's always there. So this is the first place that reflectors need to go, okay, cool. Your consistency is different to my consistency. I'm okay with the way I'm consistent, because I have no idea how the way, you you know, like I get that you feel this way because actually I do feel the way you feel, but you don't get the way I feel. So first and foremost for reflectors, I want to say like take back your power. I think there's a lot of reflectors out there that are teaching the wishy-washy thing and they are a bit airy-fairy. And from a behavioral point of view, I actually think it's, it's an excuse for not actually owning their power, for really leaning in. And then the second thing is to understand, well, and again, my reflector coach, Britta, she's hilarious when I actually said to her, okay, have you tracked the moon as it moves through your chart? And she's like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to be told how I'm going to feel tomorrow. And I said to her, yeah, I totally agree. I don't actually agree with the whole, even though I have a transits podcast every month, like I never look forward. I always learn from looking backwards. So I said to her, I don't want you to look forward. I don't want you to look at it as a, well, I'm going to feel like this on Tuesday next week. I want you to look backwards. I want you to look back and go, wow, okay, so when my sacral was activated last last Tuesday, that's how it felt in my body. Then you can start to feel this consistency of, right, okay, so as the things are activated in my chart, that's the energy I'm going to have access to. And in this example, it's like, right, okay, so it's just going to be easier for me to make decisions and that's the feeling that I'm looking for. And you don't even need to know that it's switched on, but once you get the feel, once you go through the moon cycle a few times, you're like, okay, oh, there's that feeling. I've got Today I've got some sacral energy, so I'm just going to be leaning into that a little bit. So the biggest thing for me is like really – you have to take your power back. You guys are so incredibly amazing. One of the reflectors that did one of my masterminds, she's the most incredible powerhouse. You'd swear that she's an MG. She's on fire. Um, she has so much energy. She knows exactly who she is. She's absolutely lighting the world on fire. And from my perspective, that's what you guys all have access to. And, and yeah, this whole airy-fairy, wishy-washy rubbish is just not who you are unless that's who you want to be. Okay, we're not even 10 minutes in and you're already my favorite human design guide because this is the type of information reflectors have been looking for. I literally wrote out a question that we have so much pressure around us when we hear things like that. Like we're the unicorns, we're the 1%. 
if you zoom out and just think of how the world looks at terminology like that, like the top 1%, the unicorns, that's how we talk about businesses in America and, and unicorns in investment companies and VC startups. And it starts to feel like as a reflector, especially if you're from the United States, like, oh shit, I'm the top 1%. I need to like show how unique I am and show all these amazing unicorn qualities. And I need to like really almost be like a stage presence, like a one man show. And it's really hard to detach from that when you're also trying to be a human in the real world and run a spiritual business and just keep up with the internet and the trends and everything. And so I actually don't think people that are not reflectors can get how overwhelming this this type of um, languaging is when people talk about reflectors in human design, because people do value consistency and niches and coherence. And that's just not a lot of reflectors. I won't speak for everyone. That's just not a lot of our essence and presence. But that's the pressure we feel like we feel like we're confusing people all the time. And that, yeah, we do shape shift and we're the chameleons. But like, that's not a business niche or strategy that a lot of people value. And so I'm curious in your coaching of reflectors, especially in business, when we're talking about like content creation, messaging, et cetera, we do often feel like we want to like burn things down and start over and start a new business and a creative project because we're like, I don't feel attached to that thing anymore. And that does feel like we're wishy-washy and non-committal. And again, a lot of businesses don't reward slow paces and non-committal energy. What is your advice to people that feel like that? Maybe even not reflectors. Mm. so like I resonate with everything that you're saying being an emotional MG you know like I have that inconsistency but I think the thing that I want to say first and foremost is the reason I think that so many of you feel this pressure is because there are so few of us that genuinely see you so what happens is that you guys are wandering around trying to live up to everybody else's projections of who they think you are but really They have no idea who you are because they're not sitting down and asking questions. They're not being curious. They're not getting to the bottom of who you really are. They're sitting there telling you who you are and how you're meant to be, but they're really just talking to a reflection of themselves. So the first thing I would always say to all reflectors is the most important thing that you can do is be very conscious of the people and the places that you are in because you have to be in, a, in an environment and in relationships where people are going to give you the time and space and be curious enough to get to know you through asking lots of questions and not projecting their stuff onto you for you to really be able to shine. Because the big challenge is that if you are running around just kind of responding to everybody else's projections, that's why reflectors feel so confused. They feel so wishy-washy because they're running from one person's projections to another. When you start to understand that you are this amazing mirror, your job is just to hold the mirror. It's not to be the person they think you are. It's just to hold the mirror and to to be the reflection. So the people and the places that you're around, that's going to be what's the most important to, to be able to have people that give you the space to take the time to make the decisions. Because ultimately, the whole purpose of human design is for us to get into our flow state and our most authentic self, okay, to let go of resistance. So as a reflector, the moment you've let go of resistance, that means that you've, you know, it presupposes that you've already created an environment around yourself that the people are okay with you taking it slow. If you have a belief system that's like, well, it's not okay in corporate business today for me to go slow, then that's what you're going to attract in. So it's going to be really important for you to look at the shadows of your design, to really be conscious of your mindset and your belief systems and what you're focusing on. because Every time you go out into the world, it's like these these constant projections are just being bounced off you. So the solidity of you, your own practice of who am I, who do I want to be? And yep, for you, there's going to be so much influence that's going to change and it's going to evolve. So just pick the little things, you know, and the little things for you, let's say, is a 6-2, okay, visionary, visionary. That's a thing. That's a thing that I can like put my flag in. Align to, okay, my natural talents. So I'm going to focus on what my natural talents are. And when you put your flag in those things and you take the time and you're really creating boundaries around people and places, because if you're amplifying all the energy and reflecting it back of the people that you're with and the places that you're around, then you didn't have some solid boundaries around that. Because if you're hanging out with people that are constantly telling you who you are and you're like, yeah, maybe, maybe not, I don't know 
that's disempowering. You know, you want to be around people that who are really empowering and maybe they're people who help you get to the core of who you are. Maybe they're people who just let you ebb and flow and change and depending on who walks in the room, but also hold space of, you know, like I know who you are at your, you know, in your heart. I know who you are. So it doesn't matter the behavior that you demonstrate. So really that would be the thing. Like in business, you will call in exactly the role. I once had a friend of mine say, you know, God, I just, one of my friends is a reflector and he's this consultant. And when I told him about being a reflector, he was really resistant. He's like, no, that doesn't feel like me. And then we dived into his chart a little bit and I dived into his life a little bit. And of course, what was he doing? He was this amazing consultant that it was a, it wasn't niched down. It was this really open niche and he was moving from one business to the next and literally embodying the business, then taking all the skills that he'd learned, upgrading all the skills. And it's almost like he was living and breathing, breathing this thing, upgrading it within himself and then walking away because he created the structure and the strategy for everyone else to do it. So we have to start, especially as reflectors, you have to start with an identity of I know who I am and I change. And I do move, but there is, and there is consistency within me and I'm incredibly powerful. So yeah. Does that help? Oh yeah. And I'm like smiling from ear to ear. I know listeners can't see my face, but when you were talking about the consulting role, that is my job. I do podcast consulting. And recently I've discovered I have a a huge zone of genius and then pitching. And so I was just talking to my business operations person where I'm like, I'm good at pitching because I'm good at finding the white space in things. So when I go to pitch someone, I'm not doing a generic pitch. I'm, I'm finding these little, you know, bits and bobs that I can call out that no one else does. And I realized, oh, I could turn that into a whole workshop and evaluate, you know, help people with their pitches and do pitch clinics and blah, blah, blah. And the point is, if I do that, I'm obviously going to have to like sunset maybe a piece of my business or or flip around and like go towards that. But that's most in alignment with me instead of me trying to, you know, use a lot of grit and like mud and dirt and build this huge empire around something just because I started it doesn't make sense to me. It's like I did it. I built it exactly what you were saying about that other guy. Like I'm teaching other people how to do it. And now as I'm doing it, I can pivot into another corner and see, oh, cool. This is something I can try now. And I think that's the permission that reflectors are looking for. Like it's okay if you start building something and you don't stay on that track because through that track, you just might find out that you're really gifted at something else. That's it. That's spot on. And that's actually the world that we're building. You know, we're we have to understand that this whole model that we're we're used to, that corporate world model, it's breaking, it's falling down right now. So we have to make sure no matter what our human design is that we don't get trapped in our conditioning and this this way it used to be. I mean, I'm a manifesting generator. Like I can remember being at, at school and going through, you know, the career advisory and them saying, so you pick something and then you go to university and then you do that for the rest of your life. And I was like, nope, I'd rather poke myself in the eye than do that. They're like, that is not happening. And I mean, I've done four completely different careers, you know, and they were all perfect for me. So what I want reflectors, but I want everyone to hear is that the business today, especially in entrepreneurship, especially those of us that have chosen not to run that old broken model, it's about who we are. The business is about who we are. It's not about what we do. The doing is like the cherry on top. The doing is the thing that that gives us the traction in the 3D reality. But we'll have none of that unless we can be our, our authentic self. So at the end of the day, the full permission slip, no matter your human design, is as long as you're being you, as long as you're in your authenticity, you're not going to be have the struggle with money. You're not going to have the struggle with what to do and where to go because as long as you're authentic, as long as you're in alignment with who you are, you'll create exactly what you need to create. And sometimes that will be plugging a hole because remember we live in a time where we are between worlds almost. We're in this bridge state. So something that we create might be the biggest thing and we have big global impact and we do all the things, but it might only last for two years because that's all we needed. You know, I keep referring back to the video, the VHS. The VHS, when I was growing up, because I'm a little bit older than you, it was the biggest thing. Like, oh my God, the technology, it's amazing. I think it was around, like we had video shops. It was huge, but what, for like a decade? 10 years, that's all, like in the whole big scheme of things, 
that's no time at all. And for business, that's where we're at as well. So I think a lot of the time we're caught in this old idea that, well, if I start a business, no matter my design, that that's the thing I have to stick to forever. No, it's not. The thing you need to stick to forever is you being you, being authentic to you and following that path because that path is going to ebb and change and flow. And there's one other thing I want to respond to that you you said that's so important for reflectors to understand. You know, you said you're good at finding the white space. What I would say to all reflectors is you have a gifted ability to see subtle energy that the rest of us just don't have. We just don't have the same, I can't even put it into words. My experience with reflectors like I mean, I've worked with so many healers and coaches and psychics and intuitives and I've done so much shadow work. I've done so much healing on on myself, like it's off the charts. And every time I work with a reflector, they find this itsy bitsy tiny thorn that's been in there since I was like, I don't know how old, like three that even I don't even have a memory that keeps playing up. I'm just demonstrating the behavior. So They have this ability and it doesn't just have to be in this environment. It's like what you said. Like if you guys just understand that your job is to just be in the subtle energy, like that's your gift. Your gift is subtle energy. So play in it and allow yourself to ebb and flow with it because that's why you're so magical. But, yeah, don't ever think that there's no, you don't have like a, a flag in the ground because you really do. You're very powerful. I recently celebrated six years of podcasting on November 8th and was thinking about all the lessons I've learned from podcasting and how I eventually turned that into my full-time job as a podcast strategist. I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that podcasting can be your main content and that you can extrapolate from it to fuel all your other platforms. My podcast is the basis for what my newsletters are about. And then what I write in the newsletters and talk about my podcast, I create content on Instagram from it. So it creates this content machine from just one piece of content on a platform that I love to create content on because I love talking. So if you feel like you're limited by your self-expression on social media, or you love talking and communicating and picking people's brains, or you just do better on a platform where you're not beholden to an algorithm all the time, podcasting might be for you and Mic Drop might be your best next step. Mic Drop is the ultimate podcast launch course as it takes you through the four stages of launching a podcast. You'll start from planning and prepping to recording, and then you'll move to editing and marketing. If you learn these skills, you will be unstoppable not only with podcasting, but content creation. Also, if you're on my newsletter, you saw the very exciting update that we now have monthly coaching calls that include Q&A and a Slack channel that I am always in. You can coordinate podcast swaps in there, ask questions, share your celebrations, and be in community with other podcasters that are on the same page as you. So if you want to launch a podcast and have a group of people rallying around you to help you get there, then Mic Drop is for you. Check out the link in my show notes. Our first coaching call is coming up on November 15th, and then it will be every third Wednesday of the month following that. If you have any questions, shoot me a DM on Instagram at Chelsea Rife or email me info at ChelseaRife.com. And I hope to hear your podcast on the airwaves very soon. Oh, this is giving me goosebumps because I know all the reflectors right now are feeling some type of relief, I hope, or some type of inspiration or energy because let's just start from the beginning. If you're going to go Google how to start an online business or how to start a business, you're going to get all these prescriptive ways. And like you said, that's burning down, that's crumbling. But when you're starting, you do look for coaches and mentors and programs and courses. And I know everybody starting usually makes this mistake that you invest in like 20 courses at once and you take on all this energy. And I know as a reflector, when I did that in my first year of business, I was like, I'm going to die. Like, this is not for me. This is the worst thing I could have ever done. And to your point, I had to start really paying attention to the subtle energies of not only what I like to do, but even the containers I was in. Like, I realized I actually do a lot better with one-on-one coaches versus group programs, or if I'm going to be in a group program, I like it to be small and contained the, you know, courses and memberships that are like hundreds and hundreds of people. I don't do well with that. That doesn't mean I'm doing business wrong. It just means that works for me. And to your point, you don't need to explain that to anybody. It's okay. If that's how you work, if you don't want to join your friend in their mastermind, just own that and be okay with like the way I do business is going to look different and it's totally fine. 
A hundred percent. You know, we grew my business to just shy of seven figures just on strategy and authority. That's it. Just on strategy and authority, like just being me and, you know, my right-hand person, Taylor, her being in alignment with her design as well. We've just started working with a consultant and she keeps saying over and over again, I do not know how you were so successful, how you made so much money. Do I don't know how you did it. And we're like, we do because that's what we teach, like because we just followed our human design. We knew what we were good at. We lent into our strategy and authority. We looked at certain parts of our chart to whether it's to market certain ways or whether it's to lead certain ways or even the content that I create. Like I just ran the experiment. That's what I did. And ultimately at the end of the day, if we're in alignment, if we're listening to our strategy and authority, then we're going to call in the correct teachers, the correct information, you know, all the things. Like I signed up for a human design marketing thing once, completely against my authority. Like my emotional authority was like, um, no, I don't think so. And I signed up. I didn't sleep on it. And the next day I was like, damn it, what am I doing? Like that was totally a decision made from fear that I didn't know enough, that I didn't have enough, that it wasn't working enough. And, and ironically, we now know looking at all of our figures, like, all of our marketing has been working so hard and it's not even been that, you know, inverted commas, good. But because we stuck to our design, it's really, really, really landed. And the thing that people say about me all the time is like, you're so authentic. And I'm like, yes, I am. I'm really authentic because, you know, I've I've run my experiment so long now, I can't not be because it feels so un- uncomfortable to be out of integrity. So when we're in alignment with our design, we'll call in the right content, the right teacher, the right coach. It's when we go from fear and we're going out there like, oh my God, I need this thing. I need this thing. I need this thing. Instead of going, okay, where am I at? What is my strategy? What do I want? Who do I want to be? What do I want to create? How do I want to feel? And sitting with all of these things, visioning out into the future, understanding our strategy and authority, and then allowing the universe to bring it to us from a place of alignment as opposed to a place of fear and striving and forcing. 100%. I think being able to tap into those feelings and even discern who you're hiring, right? I noticed one year I was feeling so rushed and fast paced. And I looked at who was on my team and the mentors I had and the coaches I was investing in and every single one of them, no joke, every single one was manifesting generator. So everyone I was talking to every day, the containers I was in, the people I was around, and not to say that every single manifesting generator is the same, but I just had no variety of different types in my life. And so I was sampling all of that energy. And so now when I work with people, I actually put that in the application. Like, what's your human design? And when I'm hiring, I ask, what's your human design? I also ask their astrology. And it's not just like a fun throwaway question. I actually like to use that to help me decide. And when I'm working with different people and consulting, This is why I do really well with one-on-one because I'm like, I will take into account your design and build a strategy that's custom to you. But a lot of people want the quick fix, the fast answer, the just tell me what to do. And so as you're talking about this, even saying like, slow down and take a breath and let the universe deliver to you in alignment, people want the faster way. They're like, Emma, I need the quick and dirty results. And especially if you are someone who's starting out and you don't have money, I think this is a topic we need to address is like, for example, when I was starting out, my whole strategy is wait a lunar cycle. And I was like, I do not have time to wait a lunar cycle because I have to make dollar bills to sustain myself. Can we address like money and how that plays into our strategies or authorities in business? Because it sounds like you said you built almost a seven figure business off of using your strategy and authority, but for reflectors, who are told to be patient and go slow, wait a lunar cycle that can feel very dysregulating if you're not in a financially stable place. Yeah, this is a great question. And it's actually a great question for all types except manifestors. Well, all types except pure manifestors, you know, like a like an ego manifestor or a splenic manifestor. Because at the end of the day, you know, we all have to wait. We all have to wait, you know, except this very small proportion of manifestors. And The thing, the misconception is I love this conversation about time because we think that we have no time, which is total rubbish because time doesn't actually exist. Time is something that we've created. There's two very clear ways that we can look at time. We can look at time in Newtonian ways where that's when we look at the clock and it's constantly counting down and we're in lack. 
you know? So it's constantly like, oh my God, I don't have enough. I'm chasing my tail. And then we have Newtonian time. That is all about the squishy time. You know, like when you're doing something you love and, and just time disappears or when you burn your hand or you're in, you know, in some sort of high adrenaline situation and time slows right down. Then we also understand through quantum physics and these sort of things that at the end of the day, we actually live, we're living it all right now, you know? So first and foremost, time is an illusion. Okay. And the more attached we are to, we have to hurry up because we have to pay the bills. The more we're going to manifest situations where we feel under the pump to hurry up and not have enough money. So we have to take responsibility for what we're putting our attention on. And this kind of goes back to that my behavioral part of my work and why I created transformational human design, which integrates all of this stuff is that first and foremost, do you know where you're going? You know, do you know who you want to become? Do you know how you want to feel? Because these are the things that you want to lean into. For me, that was when I started my human design experiment. It was really easy for me because my human design really landed on things that I'd felt since I was a child. Like I've always felt like I want to leave the, the world a better place than, than I found it. And I have this drive within me. And the word I've always used is greatness. Like I just have this feeling within me that, you know, I'm a human being and I have so much potential and I want to realize that greatness, that potential in this lifetime. And look, I'm a manifesting generator. I'm a line five. There's so much of my human design that really gave me permission to do that. So I could settle into the truth of who I am. That's actually what slows everything down. It's like, okay, I've got the time and space. And the biggest thing, and and I totally get it because I was there, I hustled my ass for years. I did all the things that everyone else does. And the absolute truth is when you slow down, you speed up. When you actually take it slower, when you are in alignment with yourself, you get to skip bits. You get to jump to the to the big win. You get to go from, you know, like struggling one week to actually like making, I don't know, 10K the next. And you're like, oh my God, how did you do it? How did I do that? And then you go into the freak out cycle of like, oh my God, how am I going to do it again? Instead of going, hey, I've done it once, I can do it again. So Really, when you're starting a business, if you really go via your design, yes, it might feel like it slows down. Yes, it might feel like I don't have the time for this. However, that is just something that you're creating with your with your mind. That's your fear. That's your shadow. In the human design, we call it the not self. You can literally dive into each center. And for reflectors, this is incredibly powerful. I've actually got an episode on my podcast. I'm going to say it's 95, where you can go through each center and journal to decondition each center because these are the ways, like if you're focusing on deconditioning those things, you're keeping your energy clean and open, you're like, well, I know that the good things come to me when I take time. You're actually going to realize that when you slow down, things speed up. You get to skip bits. You get to jump over. As annoying as it sounds, because this is what, what really, really annoyed me, is the only reason you don't have the money that you want in your life is because of the energy you're feeling towards it. One of my dearest friends, Elizabeth Ralph, the spiritual investor, she talks all about money neutrality. The moment you become neutral about money, the moment you become more aligned to your design or your mission or your curiosity or your passion or whatever it is for you, the easier money is. Like money is super freaking easy when you're not trying to like choke it out of every moment, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally does. And I think when you put a lot of pressure on your business and yourself, to your point, you're going to inadvertently take on opportunities that aren't aligned because you're acting out of desperation and fear. And then as you're doing that work, you're going to hate your work and then start being like, oh, I'm bad at business. When actually you're not bad, you're just taking opportunities that are not aligned for you. So I think a practical tip too is like, it's the same thing as people that want to be artists or people that want to take a sabbatical. It's like a practical tip is save money and start organizing your finances so that you can go through that waiting period. I know for me, this is a huge lesson I learned. Like the reason I'm always feeling like I have to chase something or be ahead is because I personally wasn't taking responsibility for my financial situation. And I was like, if you actually just saved you wouldn't have to worry and be taking misaligned opportunities. So that's my Virgo moon and Virgo rising talking very practical. But I love that. I think that's such an important point because so often I think people aren't taking responsibility for their money. You know, they're actually avoiding it. They're like, well, I'll deal with that when 
I'm wealthy, when I'm making the money. And I mean, God, I tried that for years as well. But my whole money story turned around the moment I turned toward it. I turned toward my debt. I turned toward my lack of savings. I turned toward my budgeting, all of those things. And to be honest, long-term and human designs really helped me understand my alignment with money. Even like budgeting and all of those things, that's not actually in alignment for me. However, At the time, and this is the thing I think people need to be really aware of, is that you have to be willing to lean into your fear. You have to be willing to look at the thing you don't want to do. You have to be willing to do the thing that you don't want to do, even if it is out of alignment, because what you're doing is you're saying to your your ego, like, no, I'm driving. I get to drive. I get to work this out. And like money is the perfect example where if you just lean towards it, if you look towards it and you lean into it, and you clear up the fear, then your human design is just going to align you to all the greatest opportunities. You know, one of the things I teach a lot is like, you have to address the elephant in the room. You know, you might think that your, your business is like going great guns. Yeah, I can do this. I don't have to deal with my relationship because I'm just going to focus over here. But until you deal with the elephant, the relationship, whatever it is, you're, you're capping yourself in your business. You're capping yourself with money. You're capping yourself with all these other areas that you really you're willing to go. So you have to be willing to go into the dark corners, to face the elephant, to do the things, because then everything amplifies. A hundred percent agree. And I can speak from this from my Byron Bay magical experience. That is when I was expecting like three people to sign up for my course, 20 people signed up. And that was the moment that people talk about like the floodgates opened, all this money was coming in, people were paying in full. Right after the program, I was getting one-on-one clients who wanted to pay in full. I freaked out because I didn't know how to handle it. And everyone thinks, oh, that would be a dream. Like, what do you mean? You just pay off your debt and you put it in savings and you invest. I'm like, if you have never done that before, no, you don't. So I ended up blowing all that money. I don't even know what happened to it. I was like, whoa, that could have really helped me out. And I just could not handle it because to your point, I never addressed the elephant in the room that I didn't know how to budget and take responsibility for my finances. I actually just in the past two weeks started to develop a new system that works for me. And this probably leans into human design and astrology and just systems that work for you is like, I don't do well with this certain app or this certain tracker. But if I actually just use this simple visual and start to work, I find reflectors, maybe not reflectors. There's a lot of people that are strategists that reverse engineer things and work backwards. And that's honestly how I started doing my budgeting. And I was like, wait, this is actually fun now. Like I have so much fun now opening up this tracker and being like, Ooh, yay. My money's going here, here, and here. And I used to hate that. And I feel like that speaks to the element of surprise and delight for me. It was like, Oh, I actually just made this work for me because I did start addressing the elephant in the room. So definitely agree. Yeah. I love all of that. It's really interesting. You say that too, because that sounds like a very and you talk about practicality. That's a very line five trait, but just saying, maybe you have line five somewhere else. I know. Like maybe the five one thing is right. Yeah. Well, the five ones are like superhuman. Like I actually walked with a friend this morning who's a five one, Taylor, who's my right hand person, five one. I'm like, I just want to bow down at your feet. You guys are amazing. I need to double check this then. Like anyone that knows me too, tune in and, and let me know what you think. We've been talking a lot about reflectors, but I obviously want to open up the conversation to the other types. And one thing that I've noticed online is, and obviously this makes sense for engagement, there's a lot of memification of human design, right? So projectors are napping all the time. Reflectors are the unicorns and whatever floating around. Manifesting generators are these like go-go gadget type of people that like, like can't stop. And so what's the biggest annoyance or misconception for you about these types of content that we're seeing online? Oh my God. Like talk about a reflector moment right here. Like you could not ask me a a better question because like this is one of my favorite questions because it absolutely gives me the irrits. Like it, it makes me so annoyed because ultimately when it comes to type, type wasn't even in the download. Type was something that was created later on. It's not in the black book, which is the actual words that the voice said to Ra. And what so many people do with these memes is they put people in boxes. So they're shifting people from one dogma to another dogma. They're saying like, oh, you're a projector, therefore you have to behave like this. You're an MG, so therefore you have to behave like this. You're a reflector, therefore you have to behave like... No, 
The whole point of human design is it's the science of differentiation. It's the thing that's meant to let us out of the box. It's the thing that's meant to let us be the driver in our own reality. So the the memes really give me the ear. It's like you wouldn't believe because, I mean, I have that. I'm a manifesting generator, for goodness sake. I have got like three of the four motors. And I just did a post on this this morning that I don't have, like I'm the energizer bunny when I'm on. But I hit the wall so hard being an emotional being that, you know, my entire life, my business, I work hard for three days. I love it. I love to hustle my ass for three days. But then the rest of the week, I'm like feet up, doing nothing. Like it even annoys me that I have to sit and watch television because like part of me is like, I want to be out. I want to be doing the things. I want to work on my business. I just don't have the energy for that. So the memes bug me because it keeps people trapped in this identity. And the truth is, you know, from my perspective, I'm a behavioralist. So stop telling people who they are. Give them all the information, give them the support so that they can build the identity that supports their design so that they can actually live from the heart, from the soul, instead of trying to move from one box to another box. Like, some of the memes are true. My mum was a projector and she actually used to sleep under a desk at the office. Like she, she worked for News Corp. It wasn't a done thing, but she didn't care. She just did it. But in the same breath, there's always going to be an exception to the rule. You know, Taylor and I actually joke all the time. Oh, I'm the exception to the rule. I'm the exception to the rule. But really, we are all the exception to the rule. And human design gives us that opportunity to run our own experiment to discover what's true for us. You know, like, don't believe a meme. Like, if it resonates, go, yeah, okay, cool, maybe that resonates, and and learn from it. But if it doesn't, don't just fall into the into line and do as you're told because it's the opposite of what human design is meant to be doing. It's meant to be breaking you free. It's, it's all about freedom and authenticity. And I think this is a good point, too, of why you need to look at your whole chart the same way you look at your whole astrology chart that you're not like, oh, I'm a... Taurus and we're stubborn and blah, blah, blah. It's like there's a million placements in houses and it's the same thing for human design that if you're reading something that doesn't resonate, that's what I find when people are new to human design. They go read the very quick blurb and they're like, that's not me. And I'm like, have you gotten a reading and looked at your entire chart and gone in depth and look at the cross, you know, all the things because they're just reading quick blurbs and they're like, oh, I don't know all the things I'm seeing on social media give me these five sentences and it's not me. So if someone doesn't feel like they're in their design or like living out their human design, what are maybe three tips that you have to help them start to understand themselves on a deeper level? This is such a powerful question. And I think that this is what's really, really important is that it's actually twofold. Oftentimes when you resist your design, like when you're like, oh, that's not me, one of two things is happening. Either you're just reading a meme that's just put everyone in a bucket. You know, like one of the things that I avoid is, you know, people will talk about the profiles. They'll say, well, if you're a 5-1 profile, then you blah, blah, blah. I actually teach the profiles as a line, you know, the first line and then the second line and the line in the body versus the line in the personality and how these two interact. And then I let people kind of put it together themselves because how they bring those two energies together is going to be unique. So part of it can be they're reading something. It's just a huge generalization. I think there is, um, what was it? The Taylor gave me the figure the other day. It's something like, it could even be like a million different possibilities with a human design chart. Like it is so nuanced. When you're put in a bucket with human design, it's it's nowhere near as powerful as the details because there are so many details that we can go into. So that's the first thing. The first thing is that you've read a meme that's a huge generalization that let's be honest, each and every one of us see the world as we are, not as it is. So whoever's put it out there, they're giving you their perception of whatever that thing is. Okay. So not even what it is because most people aren't as aware as they think they are. Then the other thing you want to be very aware of is that oftentimes, and this was my experience, oftentimes you come to human design and you might say it's not me but you might say oh I'm a in my example I'm an MG I want to be a projector oh yeah I don't like that oh I don't like being a line three and you just see yourself resisting every part of your chart take it from me in my journey when I really got this when this landed when I realized that the way I resisted my human design chart was just reflecting back to me how much I resisted my truth and who I really am and my authenticity, it was a game changer. Because in so many cases, if we're resisting the parts of our design, if we don't like them, like I've got a lot of, 
I sometimes say challenging gates, you know, like the gate of crisis, the gate of struggle, like these these ones that are kind of in a lot of the traditional human design can be very negative, very heavy. You know, for me, I was just saying uh, this morning, like I love all these energies now because I, I see what the love expression is. So in many times when you come and you feel like you don't like it or you're, you don't resonate with it, you want to actually think, okay, well, I am, am I resisting this part of myself? Because if I'm that, then I'm going to be rejected by society or by parents, or I'm not going to get love or whatever it is. And then there's also this other part of us, which is hilarious. Like a lot of my work for years, even before human design was behavioral profiling. And one of the things I would love is because I did it in the corporate space and I'd walk into this room and there'd be 30, 40 people in this room, half of them there with their arms crossed. And they're all sitting there looking at me as if to say, you can't tell me who I am. And I was always like, I've got no interest in telling you who you are. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you this whole toolkit that's going to help you be more you. And the moment people started to understand that no one's going to tell you who you are, even though a lot of people do out there in the human design world, but they're going to give you the tools for you to experiment with, then your whole life opens up. So if you come to human design and you feel like you don't resonate what I would say is I would ask yourself, where are you resisting yourself? If you don't resonate, maybe you want to go deeper into your chart. Maybe you want to have a look at your profiles, usually the place that people are going to really land, like it's going to land and go, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then you can start to go deeper again into some of the gates and the channels and that sort of thing. But you want to be careful not to do too much too fast. Always start with strategy and authority. That's the place. Like, In the whole big scheme of things, if you can just build the muscle to follow your strategy and authority, then nothing else matters because you will automatically come come into alignment. However, me being an MG, one of the things I love is the fast way. So once you've got the hang of your strategy and authority, then you want to dive deeper into these areas of your chart because you can really facilitate healing and change in a really fast way. Love that. And I think you know, as humans, we love the BuzzFeed quizzes of like, you are a blah, blah, blah. And this is your personality type. And so I think that's why people love, you know, learning about their human design and astrology. But I think if you really want to connect with it and use this as a tool in your life, you do need to go deeper outside of, oh, I'm a reflector. I'm a manifesting generator, because that's like probably 1% of the whole entire chart. Yeah. And just to respond, I just want to respond to that as well, especially if you've got a lot of reflectors listening, but also everyone, this is the same for everyone. Remember that every time you go and get a reading from someone else, it's just their reflection of you. You know, it's just their perception. It's the way they read a chart. So don't just hear something and go, well, that's my truth. You got to ask yourself, what's true for me? What's my expression of that? I mean, I've got my incarnation crosses, the cross of planning which is the era we're coming out of, there's so much information around the cross of planning. And I would say most of it doesn't resonate with me. So I broke apart my incarnation cross. I went through each gate. I looked at the themes. I looked at the shadow expression and the high potential. And then I just put it back together and went, that's what my cross of planning is like. It's not this one that everyone freaking talks about. So you have to be willing to run your own experiment. Oh, that's such a good point. Okay, why don't we move to some listener questions because people were very excited about this episode. Palm Tree Moments asked, how does Emma see the personal Jupiter line gate that your money mindset reveals? I feel like this is a kind of an advanced question. Well, it is a super advanced question. And even by the language, I feel like this is something that someone else has created. Okay, so when I say someone else has created, it's you know, we live in this world right now where we are taught to be the expert and create our own thing. Okay. So this is not their own thing. This is actually, I'm assuming goes back to the gene keys actually, and it's your pearl. Okay. It's your line number. So for me personally, the line number in your Jupiter and how you can really define what those line numbers represent is by going and either getting onto the Gene Keys website and doing the Pearl Sequence. You can buy a book as well, which is the Pearl Sequence. And I'm pretty sure somewhere on the Gene Keys, you're going to be able to get what each line number is. Or if you're in my membership community, it's in there as well. And so for me personally, in my experience, I'm a line three and it was an absolute game changer for me because once I understood that money comes to me when I celebrate, so I'm designed to celebrate with money, to have lots of money and to spend lots of money in a way that celebrates life, my people, my community. I love to be generous with money. And so it was a really big thing for me that I, because I'd already seen it in the past that when I spent money, I made more money. 
and I'm a really good saver and I'm a really good investor, but if I held on to money, that's when it would dry up. So for me, I really believe that those line numbers was a, was a massive game changer for me personally. The thing I will say is there is not one part of the chart that is more important than the other. In fact, the most important part of our chart is how all the pieces come together. So if we're just looking at one area of our chart to solve our money problems, we're never going to solve the problems. We have to understand the story that our chart tells, what true alignment is, because that's when the money really, really is going to flow in all areas. But this is going to give you a really significant theme for sure. Oh, I need to go check my chart out. I'm like, I need to see how I'm supposed to be using money because I love to celebrate and spend money too and be generous. <laughs> okay. We have another question that asks, how does Emma look at the environment variable? So I, as a reflector, at least on my chart, I have markets and I know there's a, you know, I think there's like mountains and all these things. So I think they're asking, what's your perspective on environments? So I'm going to reiterate what I said to the the last question as well. We have to be very, very conscious not to focus on one area as the solve all. Okay. However, environment in my experience is super, super important. Our environment, and and for those that don't know what we're talking about, it's the bottom left-hand arrow when you look at your chart and that there's the four arrows. And it's going to give you an idea of the environment that you're going to do really well in and ultimately have the potential to thrive in. And Really understanding that environment and experimenting with it is very important for your health and well-being. Let me give you an example. I'm actually a valleys, okay? I'm a valleys wide. And what that means is that I have to have my finger on the pulse. I have to know what's going on in the world. You know, the metaphor that they often use is it's like the person who has to live on the pilgrimage. So as each pilgrim goes past, they're learning about each country, each culture, what's going on in the world. For me, it feels very like I need to be very tapped in to the environment that I'm in. Now, when I was in my late 20s, we had moved out of Melbourne to regional Victoria and we lived on land and it was like idyllic. You know, people would have looked to the outside, looked from the outside and gone, wow, you're living the dream. I was so depressed. I had panic disorder. I w- it was the, the lowest point of my life. It was absolutely awful. When I discovered that I'm this valleys person, it made so much sense because I always ha- if I'm in an, in an environment that I don't feel like I've got my finger on the pulse when I don't know what's going on in the world, you know, even to the point where I listen to trashy pop culture podcasts that I don't even enjoy, but there's a part of me that just needs to know what's going on in the world. And that really makes a massive difference. And interestingly, I, of course, I was doing a lot of work. I healed my own mental health purely on my own because all the specialists said I couldn't. And one of the things that really helped me heal it was we moved from this freaking back of nowhere to Sydney. And the moment I moved to Sydney and we we lived in this beautiful little place that was a stone throw from the city, even though it was kind of like a little country town right bang in the city on this little peninsula, all of a sudden things really changed for me. So your environment is going to play a really, really big role. Another example, like a, a caves person, if you're a caves person, And environment, I also want to say for those people who might have kids, don't worry too much about your environment for kids because environment comes into play significantly around 30, okay? But before that, it's not as big a deal, except if you have a caves child or you're a caves person because ultimately this is going to be the game changer for you. You have to have a space that you are in control of who comes in and who goes out. You need to be able to shut the door. You need to feel safe. And what happens is that when we lean into our environment and we create the the, the correct environment for us, it's like every single other area of our design and therefore our life amplifies in a good way. So yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the environment. So cool. I think environments are a really fun element of the chart that maybe gets underlooked. And it sounds like you had a massive shift when you looked at your environment. Massive. And, you know, I even have like in my tone, I've got touch. So I have to have my stuff around me. And again, I'd wrestled with with it for years because I'm like, you know, stuff is bad. I don't want to contribute to landfill, blah, blah, blah. I've got all these stories about taking care of the planet. And then when I understood that, no, you know, having those three crystals, two books, you know, three drinks, whatever it is, and I take all those things everywhere. Like I walk around with a speaker everywhere I go, there's music playing. And I realized that that's actually part of my environment. It was a game changer for me. I love that. I love just walking around with a speaker. That feels very cool. 
Okay, we have one final question, and this one's a little advanced too, so maybe we can simplify it, but it says, my problem as a manifester is how not to overthink what I should be talking about. I have two channels to the throat, a 1-8 and a 16-48, and the shadow of 48 is hitting hard with this one. So I think maybe the simplified version of this question is how not to overthink what you should be talking about as a manifester. Yeah, this is really cool. And there's a really simple answer. At the end of the day, don't think about what you want to talk about. (laughs) That's it. As manifestors, you have the energy to the throat. You're designed to just open your mouth and speak. When the urge, when the creative um, energy is moving through you, just allow yourself to open your mouth and speak. So really the thing to to focus on, and this is the same for manifesting generators, um, this has very much been my journey, a lot of my clients' journey, is you just have to learn to trust that you can open your mouth and you're okay with whatever comes out. So you have to start building the muscle of just being in that situation and you want to speak, so speak. Just say what you want to say. Being a manifester, know that you have a polarizing energy. Just know that some people will like it and some people won't. You're here to inspire your people into action. That is your job. So if you're holding back, if you're thinking, poof, inspiration's gone because you're coming from the mind. You're trying to control it. You're trying to be someone that's more comfortable for someone else. You, As a manifester, you're not designed to make people comfortable. In fact, you're designed to make people uncomfortable and inspired because the people that you inspire, like me, for example, like I've got so many manifestors in my life. I just love you guys. And one of my manifestor friends, she's she had someone say, God, I you know, almost question her on what she said. And all it was was a reflection of this other person's insecurity. That's all it was. So as a manifester, you actually just have to build the muscle of opening your mouth and letting whatever wants to come out, come out. And if that like that fear of not being good enough that sits in that 48 is playing out, well, you got to just work through it. You just have to say to yourself every day, I'm enough. You know, what I have to say is enough. This is enough. I'm enough. Because what lies in the depth of that 48 is, you know, it's the core feminine wound. But what also sits in that real depth is all the wisdom to heal. So you have to be able to just let yourself open your mouth and trust what comes out. Sometimes it'll, you know, land really well and sometimes it won't. But your job isn't to have everyone like you. Your job is to inspire people into action because you're being authentically you. That's your job. Sounds like these types would do amazing with podcasts. So just throwing that out there, open your mouth and see what comes out, verbal processors. I love that. I always ask all my guests, because this call, this podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion, that you're clearly an expert in human design, but what is something that you're not an expert in that you wish that you were? Oh my God, this is such a good question. So as a manifesting generator, I have many, many things that I love. At the moment, the area that I would love to become an expert in, because I'm also a line five and I've also got the gate 16, so that I'm very driven to master things, to have many skills, and biohacking. Biohacking is the thing that I would love to be an expert at because at the moment, you know, like I'm microdosing and I'm and I'm using peptides and I've got all these different supplements that I take. And honestly, like sometimes, some days I feel amazing and other days I can't get off the toilet, you know, like I just love to be an expert in biohacking and for women because so much of the research is done on the male body so yeah, that's what I would love to be an expert in. Oh, we got to stay tuned. Maybe in a few years, you won't have this business anymore. We'll just see you like completely pivot into biohacking. I'm here you for know it. What? It's so funny you say that because a projector said to me just two days ago, she's like, I just know that you're going to start a podcast on this and you're going to end up, you know, doing this as well. And I'm like, I just might. I just might. You're just right. And you probably can. I love that. Well, Emma, is there anything coming up or anything special that you want to share before we wrap up? Well, I would just love to say, you know, come along and join our community. I'm not sure when this goes to air, but we have a free masterclass that's going to be absolutely life-changing on the 2nd of November. But if that's already happened, then go over to the website. You'll be able to catch the replay of it where I'm going to make human design really simple for you because ultimately there's way too many people out there overcomplicating human design. And that means there's way too many people that are not picking it up and not you know, really being able to access the power that sits within it. So check out my website, go get your chart for free. We give you everything you need to unpack your chart in that process and then duck over to the Human Design Podcast and uh, where I'll help you unpack it all in even more detail. 
Amazing. And I can just tell you really are no fluff. We're not using vague language and airy fairy concepts. Like this is the type of content we need in the human design world. So thank you for what you're doing and thank you for coming on. Mm, You're so welcome. And thank you. Appreciate it. Don't you love Emma? I feel like she's not your run of the mill HD guru. I love how down to earth she is and appreciate her energy, her wisdom and her lens on human design. Her podcast is a treasure trove of human design content. It's geniusly called the Human Design Podcast. Simple to the point, and you know exactly what you're getting. Check out all the links in the show notes to connect with Emma and get deep into your own human design. Knowing mine has radically changed how I do business, and I can't wait to see how you implement the wisdom from today. Before you go, don't forget about this month's review giveaway, my Pitching Yourself as a Guest Mastermind. By the way, this is also available on my site under courses if you want to learn for just $99, along with other skills like interviewing, building community, and SEO. If you want to try to win this for free this month, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and I will pull a winner at the end of the month. So go to Apple Podcasts, find my show, scroll down to the section where it says write a review, pop that review in there, and then send it to info at chelsearipe.com, and I will pull a winner at the end of the month to win this Pitching Yourself as a Guest course. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to my non-expert opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Rife, and I'll see you next week.